Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Remember yesterday, Tom Curran, who has covered the Patriots for quite some time, came on the program and we were talking about the potential time frame for the Pats to announce their starting quarterback. For instance, do you wait until as close to week one as you possibly can to make sure that Miami's got to prepare for both Cam Newton and Mac Jones? Or do you announce it right now so your own team can prepare for Cam Newton or Mac Jones? So it's one or the other, or is it? Apparently, the Patriots went with nuclear option C. Cut Cam Newton. Like, bam! Bam! That's right, the Patriots are cutting Cam Newton. So I guess that that is your announcement about the week one starter. Mac Jones has won that job, (laughs) apparently, right? I mean, that's a holy bleep moment, at least in one regard. Not only did Mac Jones knock off Cam Newton, he knocked him off the team altogether. So much for trying to read the tea leaves about the number of snaps that Cam got against the Giants or who was on the field first in the joint practice. That's as clear and definitive a statement as you're going to get. Turns out the Patriots quarterback competition was like a Mitch and Murray competition, but without the steak knives. First place. First place. You get a job. Second place. You fired. Mac Jones got the Cadillac Eldorado. Cam Newton got the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. You know what? It does make sense. I mean, a little surprising when you first hear it, but it does make sense. For instance, if you're going to go with Mac Jones, then go with Mac Jones. Go all in on this guy. See what you have. Start the learning curve. Don't set the guy up to fail with a quarterback controversy waiting. There is no controversy now. There is no looking over his shoulder at Cam if he makes a bad throw or he makes a mistake or a bad decision. They've decided he's the guy. We've seen all we need to see from this, from this guy, to know that he's the guy. So we're all in with him. And if that's the decision, if that's the guy, then that's what you should be. All in. Mac Jones is the guy. End of story. And by the way, quick shout out to Tom Curran for calling his shot yesterday on the program and being right. He's outperformed him in terms of accuracy and decision-making. The ball comes out quicker. If you spend all the money the Patriots did on downfield wide receivers and tight ends, and you have a third down back like James White, who normally catches 90 balls and could only catch 40 from Cam last year because it's just not his forte, then you get back to the guy who runs the offense the way you're accustomed to. And it's certainly going to be Mac Jones. Hey, Tom Curran. Nice job. I see you. So the Patriots clearly think they've got a good team. They clearly think they could win with either guy, so they're going to go with the rook and cut the vet. No need to have him hanging around, especially if you run a totally different offense when he's in the game. And again, definitely no need for Mac to be looking over his shoulder if he does run into some trouble. As Michael Lombardi also said yesterday on the program, what's the second order thinking here? If they go with Cam as the week one starter, the second order thinking would be that if he struggles, then he can play the rookie. But if you go with the rookie and he struggles, you have to stick with him. You can't just bounce him and go with Cam because then where does that leave you? 
You can't half-step it. You can't half-ass it. I actually love it. This is the hood man saying, I'm not just going to dip my toe in the water. I'm not going to just play it safe. Belichick is climbing up on the ladder to the high dive and dropping a triple Lindy on everybody. Melon, we need ya! And it's awesome. I saw that movie. I saw Back to School the other day when I was working out. It makes me laugh every time. The triple Lindy especially. That's Get the hood. In other words, go big or go home. Go big, go triple Lindy or go home. The hood man's going big. Big swing. The hood man's going big and Cam Newton's going home. And then where does that leave Cam? You know, if you're Cam, probably you're going to have to answer some questions yourself. Because it was not all that long ago that all indications seemed to be that Cam was going to be the starting quarterback. He was playing lights out. Everybody seemed to be looking like the job was his or everything. And he was being a good mentor for the rookie as well. So the team liked him. His teammates liked him. He liked them. And now he's gone. So it is a pretty wild change of events. Again, less than two weeks ago, he lit up the Philadelphia Eagles. He was starting to look like the Cam Newton of old. His timing was great. He was making quick decisions. He was punishing defenses with his accuracy and his legs. He had it all working. And then came the COVID protocol. Then came the misunderstanding. Then came the five days he had to miss. Now, I don't know with certainty, and I can't sit here and say that that misunderstanding cost him his job. Just like I'm not going to say that choosing to remain unvaccinated cost him that gig. But I can say this, neither of those things helped at all. As I said at that time, He pretty much had the job locked up, but he left the door cracked open for Mac Jones. And the last thing you ever want to do in a competition is leave the door open for your competitor. When you've got a chance to finish them, man, you choke them out. You finish them. If you've got a boot on a guy's throat, you finish it. That's how it goes. Cam knows that or should have known that. Because Mac Jones was able to shove his foot in the door, and now he's sitting in Cam's seat. And the worst part of this for Cam is it didn't necessarily have to happen, right? He didn't have to miss those five days. Getting vaccinated means you don't have to miss those five days. That's the rule. Follow the protocol to the letter of the law, and he's not missing those five days. You know, maybe he still loses the job eventually, But at least he'd know that he went down swinging instead of going down participating remotely. Again, maybe Cam did not have that job wrapped up before he had to take the five days off because of the misunderstanding of the protocol. But it sure as hell did not help his chances, and it probably hurt him. Not just because of how Jones played when Newton was out, and he played really well. He took advantage of the opportunity but because Newton put himself in that position in the first place. Because if we know anything at all about Bill Belichick, he's about three words. Do your... How many times have we heard that from that old guy? Killability is the best ability in Belichick's world especially. And if you're subject to the COVID protocol and all of its different components, it is tougher to be available. Like, a misunderstanding of the protocol simply cannot happen at this point. It doesn't matter if it's on the team or on the player, because ultimately, it's the player who's going to get hurt. 
to me, the bottom line is this. If you're choosing to not get vaccinated, you sure as hell better know the protocol. If you're choosing not to get vaccinated, you have to know the protocol better than you know the playbook because that's what allows you to play. And if you screw that up, you can't play and you can't practice. I'll be honest here. I was really impressed with how Cam Newton handled himself after things ended in Carolina, the work he put in to get ready for the next season, because a lot of people were coming for him. A lot of people wanted to say that he was finished, or he had a bad attitude, or that he was toxic. This guy worked his ass off, busted his ass, and still you had a bunch of Patriot honks complaining when New England signed him, complaining about how he dresses or how he celebrates, or how he showboats, or his antics, or even the fonts that he would use on his Instagram feed. And then all this guy did was show up in a pandemic, and not only won the starting job, but was also elected a team captain. And then a bunch of Pat's honks had to eat a lot of crow. So that tells you a ton about him as a player and a leader, and I was really impressed also with how he handled the arrival of Mac Jones. So if you're one of those Pat's honks who was whining about his showboating and his antics before he arrived last year, this does not mean you're validated. Because until we hear otherwise, him being cut today is not about how he celebrates TDs or dances to music or the fonts on his social media. All right, so all of that aside, I want to say I was impressed with the way he carried himself and the work he put in. However, and I got to be real about this, I was not impressed with the COVID protocol situation. Again, that can't happen. Not when you're looking to be the starting quarterback and the guy the entire team builds around. I know he's not the only quarterback who's chosen to not get vaccinated, but not getting vaccinated puts you at risk of not being able to play every single week. And not following protocol is not a great example of leading from the front. Yes, you can get COVID after getting vaccinated. We know this too. But the recovery process is significantly different. The chances of it being fatal are significantly lower. And now he's on the open market. And now that he is, his vaccination situation and the COVID protocol is going to come up again. Because teams are going to want to know if they can count on him. So I'm not going to second guess him on his vaccination decision. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's second-guessing himself on that. Decisions have consequences, and now he's got to live with that. Now he's going to have to live with the fact that maybe that did cost him his job. Maybe that did hurt him. Maybe in a competition that close, that was the thing that swung the pendulum the other way. 1-800-636-8686. Bottom line to me, it's a personal choice. I chose to get vaccinated as quickly as I could. He chose not to even after he had COVID. Fine. That's your personal choice. But if that is your personal choice, I'd make damn sure I know what the protocol was. I'd know that better in the playbook. So the unknown came in 2020 and it changed the workplace forever, right? Some of us are getting back to the office, but some of us find ourselves in a new normal at home. The future of work has changed and so is the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition. And now X-Chair's newest innovation, the LMAX temperature regulation will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. 
patent-pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your lower back. Crazy, right? Are you feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls? Then turn on the LMAX Massage Therapy and relax. X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support was already best in class with incredibly responsive low back support. Now with LMAX, your comfort is guaranteed. You will not believe the difference until you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you are working. Do this. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chairrome.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and save $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel Blade Casters. xchairrome.com. Mike Budenholzer is my guest. Mike, it is so good to have you back. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jim? Good, good, Mike. So it's been over a month now since you won that championship. I'm really curious. What have the last few weeks been like for you and everybody around you? Yeah, no, you know, there's nothing like, uh, you know, being the last team standing. You know, everybody's excited to see you and greet you and just share, you know, sharing it and enjoy it. So it's it's been a lot of fun, the whole city, the whole state. Uh, you know, everybody's just enjoying it and, and really happy and excited for, for the team and the organization and everything that comes with winning a championship. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. No doubt. So, Mike, there have been so many parts or there are so many parts about that title run that I want to ask you about. But as you yourself look back on it, what are the moments and memories that come to your mind first? Uh yeah, I, I one one game or one moment, you know, always stands out to me is coming home from Brooklyn down two zero and finding a way to win Game Three. You know, eighty six to eighty three is like an old fashioned like rock fight, and you know sometimes you got to win games ugly and, and win games ugly in the playoffs, and and uh, you know for the group just to respond and, and have the resiliency and, and win the way they did. Uh, you know that that game three will always stand out to me, and and you know the the way the guys responded, you know after Giannis went down uh, in Atlanta in game four, and um, you know to to play game five and game six, uh, you know without Giannis, who's incredibly important to us, incredibly special, but you know if you believe in team and you believe it, you know takes takes you know you got to be prepared for everything to win a championship. Uh, you know, to win those games, uh, you know, without Giannis was special. And, and then for him to be able to come back and play. Um, yeah, there's, you know, like you said, there's so many things that go into a championship run. Um, you know, really, really appreciative of it all and, you know, trying to, to take it all in. Mike Budenholzer joining us. In fact, I was going to ask you about that, and you kind of answered it already. The fact is you were down three games to two in that series with Brooklyn. You were tied with 2-2 or at 2-2 with Atlanta and Giannis goes down, I mean, it says so much about the guys in that locker room that they were always able to find a way, always able to find a way. What about Giannis, that finals performance, Mike, that he delivered is one of the greatest I've ever seen, and he did so while coming back from an injury. You've been around the game a long, long time. You've been around some of the greatest players ever. What did you make of how he showed up in the finals? Yeah, incredible. I mean, just just the fact that he was able to play, I think you know nobody will really kind of – totally understand and appreciate you know i think that and and really the way you know one thing we've talked about is how much Giannis, how much work Giannis puts in 
um, that allowed himself. So, you know, he, he takes the fall in Atlanta, he takes the injury, but his body is so strong, he's so fit, he's so healthy that he's, you know, better prepared to take that, and then he's incredibly quick to recover and, and play in game one and then to finish it with a 50-point game in game six and, you know, the block shot, um, just everything he did all throughout the finals you know, considering, um, you know, kind of the, the, the status of his knee and what had happened uh, in the previous round, I just, there's no words that can describe to you this guy's body, his healing power, his his work ethic, the, the way his body is just built naturally, DNA. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, I feel incredibly fortunate to, that he's on our side. You know, he's uh, he's special. Mike Budenholzer, my guest. I was going to ask you, Mike, how in the world did that guy do what he did offensively and defensively in that series with that injury? But you just answered it perfectly. I mean, there's so many amazing moments. The block, which you mentioned, the alley-oop, the 50 in the closeout game. And then the guy goes 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Supposedly, that was an area where he had to improve and focus. Yet, he shows up like Steph Curry in the most pressure-packed situation imaginable. What was going through your mind as you saw him step to the line and knock down free throw after free throw? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, incredibly happy for him. And, you know, we needed them all, and it, it's it's part of winning. And, you know, he and I have had conversations about, you know, what it was going to take to win a championship. And, you know, him going to the free throw line and making free throws is going to be a part of that, him being able to make 15-footers and diversify and, and add to his game. And, and he's always whatever it takes to win, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, so for him to to kind of for it to culminate with him going 17 for 19 and giving us everything we needed um, in a closeout game and a game six to win an NBA championship, it's just you know for for him just I, I know how hard he works, how much time he puts in in all parts of his game, but including free throws. Yeah, it was it was really great. Um, you know, for him to have that kind of night, that complete game. Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer back here in the jungle. Now it'd be easy, Mike, just to focus on Giannis, but there were so many guys who had such a huge impact. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, of course my guy P.J. Tucker. How were you able to fit all those pieces together the way you did? Yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, there's so much talent to work with. It's, it's I just, uh, John Horst, the GM here, has just put together an amazing team and you know, adding PJ Tucker, you know, at or around the, uh, the, the the trade deadline, and signing Bobby in the off season. A lot of you know the other guys have kind of been here for three years together. It's um, you know, I just I love how they compete, how they play together. I, the defensive versatility really stood out to me with this team, and you know how many different guys could take the challenge individually and guard, and, and we switched more and. Yeah, there's just a pretty incredible defensive team and, and, and then offensively pretty skilled, too. So, yeah, I, I, a lot of options, a lot of good things to, you know, hopefully to, to push the button. And, um, you know, a lot of good things happen for us in that stretch. See, Mike, you and I have talked in the past about your journey and your days in Holbrook, Arizona, playing for your dad, Vince. Knowing all of that, what was it like to be in the NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns? Yeah. No, that was, um, you know, it was kind of surreal a little bit. The, the, you know, the team that I, I rooted for growing up as a kid, um, you know, to, to come back and, and play the finals in, in your home state and siblings and my parents there and, you know, friends from Holbrook, friends from the Navajo Reservation, guys I played against 
you know, it was, uh, and, you know, I think they were all torn. I think, you know, obviously wanting the, the hometown team to win, but then the, the connection with me, it, it made it, you know, more special, more unique. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, you, you got to find a way to beat them. You know, if they were from, from another planet, I think, you know, the group just wanted to find a way to win an NBA championship. But for me personally, to go back to Arizona and go back to Phoenix and win it, yeah, it was pretty special. Mike Boonholzer joining us for a few more moments. Now, as I mentioned, Mike, you've been part of multiple championships with San Antonio, but how different does it feel, of course, when you are the head coach of the winning team? Yeah, no, there's there's a big difference. You know, everybody you know, has their role and, and I appreciate those years as an assistant coach in San Antonio and getting to be a, a, a small part of that. And, but, uh, yeah, when you're the head coach and, and that responsibility that you feel to your staff and to the players and, you know, the, the responsibility that, you know, the, the really, you know, the majority of it falls on the players, you know, what they're able to do on the court is, is, is most important, but, you know, as a head coach and to feel like, you know, you're, you're leading the group or you're part of the leadership with Giannis and Chris. Um, yeah, it's a different feeling. And, um, but <laughs> I wasn't sure it could ever happen away from, from San Antonio. So, you know, to, to, to crack it or to knock it down and, and get it done and say, yeah, well, we can win championships other places. And with this special group of players, uh, you know, you, sometimes you think your luck was all used up, but, uh, you know, I, I feel very lucky to, to have Giannis and Chris and Drew and Brooke and these guys and be their head coaches. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. So let me ask you this. I mean, to your point about, look, it's a lot. And often, oftentimes it's about the players, right? It doesn't matter how good you or your staff are. You have to have players. You know this. You understand that. You also said, I got to be honest, I didn't know if it would happen away from San Antonio. You're not going to make it about you, Mike, but let me make it about you. It was not that long ago that there was this speculation about your job. There was a speculation about whether or not you might be fired and so on and so on. And then you lead the Bucks to their first world championship in a century. Is there any part of you that just wants to step back and say, hey, everybody, how do you feel about me now? <laughs> no, you know, I, I'm sure there's, there's lots of people that'll do it for me. And, and that's, you know, but it's, it's all part of, part of the business. You know, when you sign up to coach, you know, people are going to be you know critical and, and hard on you and have high expectations. And, you know, I think we've set the bar high here. You know, they, they expect and want championships and, and they want us to do things that are, you know, haven't been done for 50 years. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I just say I, I think hopefully I was a part of setting the bar high, and now we got to rise up and, and kind of meet those expectations. And you know, I'm, I'm just it's 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 all part of it, and um, you know, I enjoy it all. It's, you know, when they praise you, you're not that great as, as as they say, and when they're critiquing you or hard on you, you're probably not as bad as they say you are. So you're somewhere in the middle, and just kind of keep coming to work and doing doing our job. No, I appreciate that. I especially appreciate the part about you got to enjoy it all. You have to enjoy the enjoy it all and embrace the process. Mike, one last thought, because I've talked to so many coaches that work so hard to get there, and then they finally get there, and then I'm curious about what's it feel like? You know, like I've talked to John Calipari after he won an NCAA championship, and he said, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm the exact same coach that I was before I won that title. I mean, do you feel any different now that you've won the title? Do you feel validated in any way? Do you feel any differently about yourself, or is it just in the way people treat you? No, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I do think we're we're the same coaches when we come back the next year. I, I think that there's 
you know, there's things that you believe in that you've been, you know, working on and teaching and, and installing, you know, all along the way. And, you know, you, you get, you're fortunate enough to win a championship. But I, I do think, um, you know, I think, you know, the players organizationally, um, you know, I think there is, uh, there's something that happens if, if you're fortunate enough to win a championship and people um, may look at you differently and may feel differently. Coming back the next season is a little bit different. Um, and you have to kind of embrace that it. it is a little bit different. doesn't mean I'm a different person, a different coach. The stuff we're going to be doing, you know, training camp's going to look and feel a lot the same. But, you know, I think there are subtle things and there are things that, you know, people are going to come after us and people may um, look at us a little differently, both positive and negative. Um, and so you've got to embrace it and just kind of learn as we go and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, be ready for a hell of a challenge that's coming up here. So finally, one thought, Mike, it's kind of cliche, but I'm curious, like, is the guy that everybody looks to and the leader of the group, how long did you allow yourself to enjoy that and the organization before you said, all right, y'all, now it's time to get back to work and we have a lot of work to do? No, I mean, you know, to some degree, we're still enjoying it, you know, Good. doing this show Good. with you. And, yeah, no, I, I like that. I knew that. Yeah. And I, and I do think there's a point where, um, you know, we're going to start training camp here soon. We're going to start open gym and. But I, I think there's uh, there's the off season, and you know it's probably each day you need to to shift your focus to to you know what are we doing to prepare and get ready. But you know you bump into people, you have a phone call like this, and you know I, I think you'd be unwise to not continue to enjoy it. But at the same time, start you know each day thinking you know how am I getting ready for for this next season, and I don't think it's time to turn it off. I think that is a perfect response. I'm really happy to hear that. When you accomplish something like that, you better enjoy it. You have to stop and enjoy it and be present because the work will get done. You'll get back to it. And I appreciate you making time for this call, Mike, to share your thoughts on that. Congrats to you. You know, I need to be as objective as possible, but I'm not going to lie. I'm really happy for you. You earned that. You put in the time. You were able to grind that thing out. It was a great, great thing to see. I spent some time in Wisconsin this summer. In fact, I spent a month back there, and I know for a fact how excited the folks and the fans were. Man, they were loving it. They were loving yeah. Now, thank you. I appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to talking again sometime soon. So does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. I have it. I use it. I love it. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of all that clutter and all that confusion and get your TV together once and for all with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Because with the arrival of Rondo, and I want to lay this out later on, but with the arrival of Rondo, the Lakers will go from the most interesting team in the association to pretty much the most interesting team ever. I'm not saying he makes them better. I'm not saying this offseason makes them better. I'm saying it makes them infinitely more interesting. Fascinating. I mean, have you seen the roster? Have you seen this Laker roster? It's absolutely amazing. 
All right, they made that move to bring in Russ Westbrook. They signed Mello. They brought Dwight Howard back. They got Kent Bazemore. They signed Wayne Ellington. They signed Trevor Ariza. They signed Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, and now they're bringing back Rondo. How the hell they got all these guys in under the cap, I have no idea. But they've already brought back five guys who've already been Lakers. And they brought in a bunch of experience. I mean, a ton of experience. Like, all of the experience. They've got five future Hall of Famers on their roster right now. That much experience. I mean, so are they better? I don't know. Are they more fascinating? Absolutely. Especially with Dwight the Enforcer. Mello, Dwight the Enforcer, and then you've got Russ and you've got Rondo in the same room. All right, so where do I throw down for a pay-per-view all-access show with this group? Hey, man, let me behind that paywall. I don't even care what it costs. I'm paying for it. I need all-access. I want to see the stuff that they don't want us to see. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to come to work every single day and give each other the hands. I'm not saying they're going to give each other the hands all the time or even some of the time or maybe even at all. I mean, after all, these guys are all vets, all pros. They all understand what the hell is at stake right now. They're all there to do a job. However, there is history. And by the way, pretty recent history at that. You know, like last summer when Rondo's brother got ejected from the stands of a playoff game in the bubble for trash-talking Russ. Let me repeat that. William Rondo was ejected from the stands of a playoff game in the bubble for talking junk to Russell Westbrook. It was actually a pretty amazing moment, and some of it was caught on camera. Just a terrific all-around game for James. P.J. Tucker's going to come back in, and Austin Rivers... And someone in the Laker group is talking to Russell Westbrook and waving goodbye to him. It's pretty wild, right? Maybe you had trouble making that out, but Russ was on the floor and clearly heard what William Rondo allegedly said and was going towards the stands. He was moving towards the stands to jaw with him before the ref cut him off and held him back. This is what Russ had to say at that time. People at the game, you're supposed to shut your mouth and watch the game. That's the rules, uh, especially when you have families and people here. Um, apparently, I guess, because Rondo was talking he decided he wanted to hop in too. But, you know, it's okay. You know I mean? It's all good. I get it. You know, he, he wanted to take up for his brother. I don't know what, but those rules stand for everybody, though, no matter who it is, family, whatever. But when you cross that line, then he's supposed to be at home. There's no rules or regulations for that. But he started talking crazy and... You know, I don't play that game. So Yeah, no, Russ don't play that game. Russ didn't like that. Russ don't play that game. He started talking crazy, and I don't play that game. Rondo, though, said it was not that big of a deal. Here's what he told Mark Spears. Quote, my brother didn't say anything crazy, raise his voice, and cuss. He called the man trash. As players, we get away with manipulating the game and manipulating the referees as if we were being attacked. I've done it in the past. End quote. All right, see, no big deal. All he did was call Russ trash. That's all. I mean, no big thing. So he called Russell Westbrook 
trash and allegedly hit him with the Lillard wave. So you had that one moment, right? Not a big thing. Except that was not the end of it. In January, when Russ was with the Wizards and Rondo was with the Hawks, they got into it again. Matthews, he's a good three-point shooter, 43%. They just call it a uh, technical on <laughs> Russ. For, he, 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 threw, he, pushed, he threw Rondo out of the way. <laughs> well, that's good. Re- officials need control of things, though, because they can get out of control. <laughs> Rondo says bye-bye. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> that's a second tech on Russ. Good call by the ref. Good call. See what I mean? These guys are like changing teams, and they're still into each other. I mean, I'm not sure what was the better part of that clip. Rondo immediately gesturing to the locker room after Russ got the tech, or Rondo walking down the court and waving goodbye to him. (laughs) Call it a tie for first. So Russ took the high road after that game and blamed himself for stooping to Rondo's level. Point of this whole thing, they're teammates now. And I love it. Again, I'm not going to expect these guys to drop gloves the second the puck is dropped, so to speak. But I do love that you got a couple of pretty cantankerous dudes with history, with one another, recent history, and they're in the same locker room. It's going to make practices and scrimmages a hell of a lot more interesting. And by the way, it's stuff like what Rondo was doing to Russ, which is the reason why the Lakers want to bring him back. They love that. They love his attitude. They know how he plays in the regular season, and they know how he plays in the postseason. And yes, they know he hates that nickname that he has, Playoff Rondo, but it's not an insult, and it's not wrong. It's praise. The guy does show up big in the postseason. And he's not going to stretch the floor. He's not going to make them younger, but he is going to make me want to watch them even more than usual because what that guy's going to do, especially now that he's sharing a locker room with Russ. I'm going to assume that they'll be perfect pros. I'm going to assume that there's not going to be an issue. But here's what else I want. I want an A or I want an F. And in this case, the F is the A, if that makes sense. So this move in this offseason is not just about getting Rondo and Russ together. It's about the Lakers getting older, like really old. Just so we're clear on this. Do not get this twisted. This is an old-ass team. Not a wash team. I'm not saying that. Don't run that back to LeBron because I don't want LeBron getting all bent out of shape. I'm not saying they're washed. I'm saying they're old. Old-ass team. A lot of talent. Good luck in a ring. But they're old as hell. If you want to flip it on its head and say they're as experienced as hell, you go right ahead. I mean, you're not wrong if you say that. Just as I'm not wrong when I say old as hell. How old? Old as hell. How old? Old as writ. They've got six of the oldest players in the NBA. Six of the 11 oldest guys in that league are wearing Lakers gear this season. That is awesome. And it's old. And it's old as hell. What, you couldn't get George Mikan under contract? Wilt didn't want any of that. Dr. Naismith probably could have taken some pressure off both LeBron and Russ. What, Dolph Shays couldn't stretch the floor at this point? I'm way over on this, but I've got even more points to illustrate about how old this team is. Really, really old. It might work. Or somebody might stroke out. Like, this is an old, old team. So old that if I hopped in a time machine and I set it for the 2012 NBA All-Star game, 
and told you the Lakers would have LeBron, Melo, Russ, Dwight the Enforcer, Marcus Gasol, and Rondo on the same team, you'd have punched me in the face and called me a liar and then said the Lakers were in the sport. Because in 2012, all six of those guys were NBA All-Stars. And now they're on the same team 10 years later. Can I put it to you one more way? No, I'm really, really heavy on the break. Anthony Davis is entering his 10th season. He's closing in on a decade in the NBA. And all six of those guys were at the 2012 NBA All-Star game. And AD was still in college. What's good, AD? I don't know. I'm still in college. AD, what's good, baby? Man, they are old. Old ass team, but fascinating. Now I'm done. Well, not really, but I will be done for you, Alvy. Let's get out. Listen, did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? I mean, incredible, right? Fire Prevention Month is in October, so it's right around the corner. And it's never too early to start preparing. And we have teamed up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety to help protect your entire family with safety that you know you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms to help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. Having enough First Alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for your family and your home. You want to install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. Then, once the alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember, alarms do not last forever. They do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you cannot remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace that unit completely. For a replacement option, my favorite is First Alert's 10-Year Sealed Battery Alarms. 10-Year Sealed Battery Alarms are convenient and they eliminate the need for battery replacements for a decade. Lastly, take this time to discuss home safety with your family. Plan and practice an escape route and remember to practice it at least twice a year. And for more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at your home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash fire prevention month. Everybody should be doing this with their family. Go to firstalert.com slash fire prevention month. Joey Logano is my guest. Joey, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken. How are you doing? How is your life right now, Joey? I'm doing fantastic. Ready to rock and roll. The playoffs are right around the corner. Best time of the year. Ready to get going. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so take me back, if you would, to Saturday's race. You led 37 laps. You grabbed a Stage 2 victory. You were running at the front with seven laps left in regulation. How did the car feel at that point? What kind of thoughts were you having? It was all going really well until it didn't, Jim. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of been the story of our uh, our last five or six weeks. Things are going well. The cars are fast. Uh, Picker's doing well. Uh, I feel like I'm firing on all eight as well. And then uh, something's been happening just kind of sometimes out of our control and just is what it is. So uh, the good news is that we're fast. The cars are feeling good, to answer your question. Um, yeah, we're positioning ourselves towards the front. And that's the most important thing, right? That, that, that's the hard things to overcome is when you don't have enough speed or, or you're off on, on some other category. But I feel like our, our cars and everything's pretty quick right now. So um, once we're able to put a whole race together, we're going to be in contention to win a championship. Joy Logano is joining us. So the good news is you're running well. You've got some momentum that you can build on. One last thought about that, Joy. What we're talking about, for those who missed it, you said, quote, we had a shot to win there, and the 11 just threw a late block and fenced me, and then I had a right rear down. Bottom line, is that just racing, or maybe did it feel like Denny Hamlin crossed a line with that late block? 
Well, I'm, I'm sure it's just racing. That those those type of racing things stack up eventually, though. Um, you know, I, I don't think he would mean to put me in the wall, but that is the third time it's happened. So <laughs> I think there, there's some things that change there, but it is late in the race. We're all making aggressive moves. We're all trying to make the, you know, the, the move to win the race. Uh, it felt like that was a move that I had to make to get to his outside. I think uh, he may have lost me in his mirror at one point um, and then saw that I was going to get there and, and just uh, mistimed it, misjudged it. And unfortunately, we we're the ones that paid the penalty on, on the whole thing. So that's racing, I, I guess. And you, you move forward, you go into the next week, you go and, and, and try to win the next one and, and try to win the championship from there. Joy Logano is joining us. All right, so the playoff field is now officially set, and the playoffs start on Sunday. Listen, I know that you're always going to go hard. You're always looking to get results. Does it feel like, though, there is an intensity change once the playoffs start? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, playoffs in sports is just it's the best time of the year. Like I said, you find areas that just make you better, um, right? You, that, that pressure is either going to make you better or you're going to crumble, right? And there's two different players out there. And I feel like for, for me in the playoffs, it's either you win or you become stronger. And I think with experience that keeps helping you more and more is you just you find new levels in yourself that you don't know is there unless you put yourself under a high-pressure situation. Um, and I think the playoffs are the best time of the year for those reasons. Talking to Joy Logano, you know, you're looking ahead and you're not looking back, but you mentioned experience, right? So, like, if you go back to 2018, you had that win at Talladega in April, and then all the focus was on the big three. But then when you got to the playoffs, everybody on the team was able to do exactly what you're talking about, Joey, rise to the occasion and win the whole thing. So, when you look back on that time and that run, how do you explain that and what kind of thoughts do you have? Uh, you know, it was one of the my favorite years, obviously, to win the championship, but also because it proves the point that you're never out of it. You're never out. You know, you can come in as the underdog, didn't have many playoff points under our belt. Like you said, only one win, you know, and, and next thing you know, you've positioned yourself by winning the, the important races throughout the playoff, running consistent throughout it as well, and positioning yourself to go to, at the time, Miami to, to race for a championship uh, in a great spot. So, yes, it's nice to, have, to be seated a little further forward than we are right now, but we've proven – uh, that we can do it from behind. And, you know, I, I feel like at this point, you know, I've been to the championship four four times now, and we've been there as the fastest car and, and, and the favorite, and have been there as the underdog and the one that, that barely got there. And so it, there's just more than one way to do it. You're never out of it. Every point's going to matter throughout this thing. Every lap's going to make a difference. And, and I think with that attitude, you can position yourself uh, in, in a good spot throughout this thing. Joy Logano back on the program. You were also recently talking about your relationship with Brad Keselowski, who is going to leave Team Penske at the end of the season. How would you describe that relationship, and what have you learned from him? Yeah, it's, it's been um, a great relationship, Brad and I. You know, I feel like um, even to this day, we still talk a lot, um, whether it's about racing in our race team or just events outside of racing. And um, I feel like that relationship as a teammate has been good. And at the same time, he's challenged me because his strengths are in a totally different area than my strengths are. And I feel like we kind of complement each other and, and, and force each other to become better in, in our weaknesses. And that's what you want in a teammate, right? You want someone that's going to force you to become better. Uh, Brad definitely brought that to the table for me. He had a different mindset, had a different uh, approach to a lot of different 
things. And it made that really interesting conversations to have a lot of times and um, kind of played a little bit of a tug and war game in a way of, of how to lead the company and where we wanted to go. But I think it complemented each other in a good way. Yeah, to me, it's really interesting because if people don't follow the sport that closely or they're new to the sport, the fact of the matter is you are part of an overall team. I mean, it's not quite the same as being on a basketball team or a football team. I would ask you what you're looking for in a teammate, but I think you just answered it. You want somebody who's going to make you better and kind of push you that way. Now, you've been at this for a long time. You and I have been talking for a long time. You're a NASCAR champ. You're a Daytona 500 winner. You've done pretty much everything there is to do in the sport. So at this point, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you putting in the time to be great? Because I hate losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the bottom answer. line. I, Good answer. I think probably most every athlete will say the same thing. I, I hate losing more than I like to win. Um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I love to win and I'll get excited about it. But the the feeling of loss is is probably what what stings and it'll stick with you as much as anything. You end up remembering your losses more than you do your wins. And I don't know if that's a good thing or, or healthy in any way, but it's just the fact that it matter for me. So uh, that, that's enough to keep me driven. And, and you know, I, I can't say I've ever really reached all my goals yet. You know, there's just so many more things I want to do and, and, and really stacking up to victories and, and moving yourself up to all-time win list. You know, those are things that, that are important to me. Joey, it's so true. I mean, you are far from the only athlete that has said that to me. And I, I, I don't want to say that I don't understand it because I do, but it's kind of unfortunate, right? You remember the bad beats. You always go back and think about the ones that got away as opposed to the ones that you won. Kind of like, yeah, well, I'm supposed to win or that's what I'm putting the time for. So, yeah, I'll, I'll appreciate that and I'll celebrate that. But you don't dwell on the wins. You dwell on the losses. Do you think it'll ever that'll ever change? Uh, maybe someday when I'm old sitting in a rocking chair, <laughs> maybe I could sit back and tell my grandkids about, about the race wins more than the losses. But uh, that's, I, I assume someday it will. But at this moment, I'm okay with it being the way it is. I, I like that, uh, that competitive fire um, that, that's inside of me, whether it's on the racetrack or really anything, right? Anything in business or, or in life, you know, I want to win. I just, it's what drives me. I like it. It's the chip. It's the edge. It's personal. You said something also recently that I thought was really interesting. You told The Athletic that when you wreck a NASCAR, quote, you'll be sore the next morning. You know that. But it's a lot better than wrecking on the highway. I've been in that situation, too. And I would say that I felt way worse after a small crash in an intersection than I did plowing down the wall, blowing out a right front in a race car. That's a really interesting thing. And I think that's pretty surprising to a lot of people. Can you lay that out for me? What do you mean by that? I sound like a crash test dummy when I say it like that. I've, I've been through plenty. I know it's safer. But, uh, That's funny. You know, uh, I, I think when you look at a race car, all, all you have to do is look at the chassis of a race car, and you'll see the way the seat's mounted, the you know surrounding you, your helmet, your Hans device. Everything is there. Some things are made to give. Some things are made to protect you and, and, and prevent from you know intrusion into the car. Uh, th- that's what it's built for. It's built for safety and speed. A street car has, you know, comfort in mind, you know, where, where you have just a, a you know, one stro- shoulder belt and airbags and you're floating around in the seat. And, you know, so, so naturally when you get in a smaller crash, your body's doing a lot more movement, um, which, in, you know, in hindsight, at the end of the day, you're going to be a lot more sore and, and, uh, and hurting a little bit more. Um, but that's just, that's how it works. 
You know what? When you explain it that way, it does make sense. He is the driver of the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford Mustang for Team Penske, the 2018 Series champ. Once again, the NASCAR playoffs kick off with Sunday's Cookout Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway, 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Joey Logano, ninth overall in the standings. Joey, appreciate you and the relationship. Good luck in the playoffs, and I know you and I will chop it up again soon. Absolutely. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights into saving money and reaching your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. Wild story. IMG Academy Rolls to a blowout win in their nationally televised high school football game on Sunday. Not all that unusual. That's a high school powerhouse. The Bradenton, Florida powerhouse is actually Max Prep's number two ranked high school program in the country. They had seven grads drafted in this year's NFL draft alone. So they're a big deal. Their opponent Sunday, however, not that big of a deal. In fact, they were a total and complete unknown until about 48 hours ago. But they're a big deal now. How do you go from being largely anonymous and nobody knowing about you at all to everybody knowing you in 48 hours? Probably for all the wrong reasons. That opponent was called or was a supposed Ohio charter school and called Bishop Sycamore. During the broadcast on Sunday, the four-letter network, no names mentioned, ESPN, put the program on straight blast for apparently lying, lying about having D1 prospects on the team for lack of roster depth and for putting their overmatched, overwhelmed players in an unsafe playing situation. I mean, all a little weird, right? But somehow that was just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm talking about an Everest-sized chunk of ice right here. Because nearly 48 hours later, something a little strange became a lot crazy. Like mind-blowing. Like maybe one of the biggest high school sports scandals ever. 48 hours ago, Bishop Sycamore was an unknown Ohio Charter High School. Except it wasn't, really. Because Bishop Sycamore is not really a high school at all. And their football team isn't really made up of high schoolers. They didn't just lie about having D1 prospects. They lied about being a high school. B.S. High School is apparently a B.S. High School. Bishop Sycamore is not recognized by the Ohio High School Athletic Association. They have no verifiable location or practice facility. The school website was basically a recruiting blog with a blank About Us page. 
And I say was because the website's already gone. And many of their players are 19 and 20. Some of them have already played junior college ball. And yet there they were on ESPN against pretty much the best program in the country. And, oh, it was their second game of the weekend. They had played 48 hours earlier. BS High had lost another game with the same roster. BS High had a roster with like 35 players. Not a lot of depth. So if you've got 35 guys, go ahead and assume that a lot of these dudes are playing both ways. And they're playing both ways in two games in one weekend. Pretty bad, right? And somehow that's still only just the beginning. Because yesterday, the web magazine, Complex, blew the lid off the story. They interviewed a former player named Aaron Boyd, who was actually a high school age kid trying to get an actual education when he attended BS High. This kid went scorched earth on the entire operation. Boyd said he was recruited with false promises that the program was being picked up for a show on Netflix. Then he was moved to a hotel in Delaware, Ohio, where he lived for the next five months. You heard that right? This, quote, school moved a 15-year-old kid into a hotel for nearly half a year. The hotel apparently also served as the campus, as in there was no campus. There was no school. There was only a hotel where the entire team was staying. Eventually, the players came to find out nobody was paying for the hotel. The team's head coach was floating checks, bouncing checks, rubberizing checks. The head coach, Roy Johnson, had been fighting fraud allegations for years. Big surprise. He also allegedly had an active warrant out for his arrest. And his former player's response to hearing that information somehow makes it even worse. Quote, I didn't know what the warrant was for, but if it's for writing bounce checks, that's accurate. This man scammed a whole church. We had funding from a church. That's how we were doing everything from the beginning. End of quote. So if this whole thing weren't absurd enough, the whole thing was, at least for a time, funded by scamming money from a freaking church. This is like the inception of high school sports scamming. There are scams within the scams, and everyone is crazier and more ridiculous than the last. So I guess by this point, it's pretty obvious that there never were any classes. There was no curriculum. There was no school. Quote, we didn't go to school. We never went to school. I can't lie. They tried once. They took us to a community library. One day, it was already October. The season was about to be over. It was like, at this point, well, bleep. I'm not going to school. Y'all haven't put me through school this whole time. End quote. Like, I don't even understand how this thing could get any worse. But it does. Because after the team was kicked out of the hotel that they weren't paying for, the kids had to move into random houses where they slept on the floor. And according to Aaron Boyd, They had to rob Kroger's and Walmart because, quote, that was the only way we could eat, end quote. So it went from a little strange to totally crazy to literally catastrophic, right? Tragic. High school sports can be wild and unchecked, but I can't say that I've ever heard of anything like that before. Yeah, but don't blame ESPN, though. They weren't the ones who booked that game. Apparently, the blame goes to Paragon Marketing Group. 
Apparently, ESPN told Paragon that they thought they were being scammed, but somehow Paragon put the game on anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. ESPN essentially does whatever the hell they want anyway. They didn't have to air that game. There were so many red flags, and they voiced their concerns, but they did anyway. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how a network like that could get worked that badly over something like that, but they put it all on Paragon. They put it all on Paragon, yet they put it on their own airwaves. BS high. This is some of the biggest BS ever seen in interscholastic sports. Now the whole world's finding out what's up, man. Crazy, crazy story. Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, hello. I love metal music, but I never heard of those dudes. I'm more into the five guys out of Gothenburg, Sweden, Avatar. They're more my stock. But I do feel bad that Nebraska football is going to suck yet again this year. No, I don't. I love it. It's so much fun. I don't care about that team except for when Tanner Lee and Luke McCaffrey was there. And I'll be watching Alabama. Why Alabama? Simple. Big Al is the cutest mascot in all of college football, and it doesn't hurt that the boys are pretty, too. Kathleen. All right. Thirsty much? Good night now!